Hello, and welcome to another edition of the 16 Ounce Canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. My name is AJ Cairns. I'm your host here each and every week as we do our best to introduce you to the artists and designers from around the world, right around the world. How cool does that sound? They help bring your favorite beers and breweries to life. So you are listening right now to episode number 37, 37, and we are having a great time doing it, and we are hoping that you are enjoying the show. This week's episode, we are featuring Sarah Headland. She is the marketing director and the creative force behind the rebrand of Toppling Goliath. Really excited to have the opportunity to speak to her. Really great story about hard work, you know, coming to find that she has been working towards a, a dream job and taking you know, pieces of other uh, life adventures to kind of Voltron together. Um, kick-ass great job with Toppling Goliath in Iowa. We have yet to visit Toppling, but uh, it's definitely added to the list, and maybe we'll put together a map of all the great breweries that we've connected with. Maybe we'll do a little Google map action, and then one day we can kind of just hit the open road, Thelma Louise style, without the, without the ending. But with that said, just wanted to thank everyone who's been uh, checking in each week. We are checking the stats, and it's really cool to see that we're, we're growing, building ourselves a nice little community here, and word is traveling. And if you are an artist out there, we will find you, and we look forward to going down the rabbit hole of the interwebs, Instagram, and finding all the great artists. So thanks to everyone who's made recommendations, the breweries who are tagging the posts with the artists, and even those that are tagging the cans with the artists. So it's been a lot of fun. We're having a great time. We're in the midst of our fourth 12-pack, so coming up soon we'll be putting together our volume three playlist of all the great artists and the music that helps them you know during inspiration and moving forward in their process and just some tunes that they like and that we featured here on the on the podcast so real quick administratively like i said we have sarah headland here uh, from toppling goliath and we will get into the interview in a few moments but you can find uh, sarah online at sarah headland.com that's uh, sarah with an h h-e-d-l-u-n-d so sarah double h's and you can also find her on the instagram at sarah.headland.design so make sure you go over there and check her out i think it's really a lot of fun to follow along and see the visuals we'll get some up on the facebook uh, website it's all sorts of stuff there if you haven't Please follow us along on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the social webs, media, platform, channel, things. And we're uh, definitely hip to those, really trying to do our part to keep it active, trying to create some you know, new content, keep things, keep things interesting. And uh, we're actually checking in with you via our hotel room on a, on a business trip. So funny anecdote every time i travel with uh we use uh, it's a, it's called a blue blue microphone it's a company we use our uh yeti so we use the blackout yeti to make uh to give you the radio voice to make it all possible but literally every time i travel if i uh, don't check a bag they stop me at security when they see that in my bag they have no idea what it is they take it out and ask a lot of questions and then uh you know send me on my merry way so Little uh, TSA is doing their job, but it's uh, it's uh, we're batting a batting a thousand with that one. So fun little fun little anecdote there, sharing it sharing it for you. We, we take it wherever we go. So 
You are listening to the 16-ounce canvas. Like I said, you can check us out via the World Wide Web's 16ozcanvas.com. Same way you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, 16ozcanvas. And any sort of creative stuff you're putting out there, make sure to tag us, and we will get the word out, and we'll we'll reshare it for you. So without further ado, we're going to get right into it. Episode number 37, Sarah Headland, Toppling Goliath, right here on the 16-ounce canvas. The one and only Art of Craft Beer podcast. I have no idea if that's true, but I'm going to say that just in case someone else is thinking about doing one. We're the one and only. No, seriously. But here it is. Without further ado, Sarah Headland, right here on the canvas. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the 16-ounce canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. Really excited to have with us today, Sarah Headland. So thank you so much, Sarah, for uh, taking the time to to join us today, Sarah. Uh, is the marketing director of Toppling Goliath Brewing, and that's how we kind of uh, came to learn of Sarah. Uh, you can uh, check Sarah out online at sarah.headland.design on Instagram, as well as sarahheadland.com, H-E-D-L-U-N-D, and that's Sarah with an H. So we'll get all that up on the website for you, and uh, I'll make sure not to uh, butcher your spelling of your last name again. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the least we can do here. So we uh, again. So thank you so much for you know for making yourself available to uh, join us. Um, where are you joining us from, Sarah? Where are we, where are we calling you? Uh, Decorah, Iowa, which is northeast corner and about an hour from any interstate. So kind of the middle of nowhere. That's pretty awesome. So you guys just just got the internet out there then. So this is kind of a big deal. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I actually have a coworker who can't get it at his house. He lives even more in the middle of nowhere, so you're not far off. Right. Well, no. Years ago, I would, I would think that joke would be funny, but now, like, I I look forward to those days. You know, we go to, uh, and I told him before, we go to an area of Maine where it's very, very limited. It's you know, it's as close to being off the grid as like I can get, and it's it's so great. It's perfect. So so I definitely. He, you know, it's better when you have that choice, obviously. But if you can't get the internet, that's kind of a that's kind of a bummer. But he's not missing <laughs> much. You know, dial-up's cool. Yeah, he's got to like read books and stuff. It's pretty. It's pretty hard, I think. Yeah, right. I mean, I think if more people had that problem, like if people, I think if people had to pay for internet, like in in chunks of time, like you can, okay, you only have internet for three days this week, and you got choose like there you go i think i think that i think the world will be a little bit better you know you might read something learn something i i agree even as a person that uh, runs a lot of social media sites <laughs> for a company you know it's it's finding that balance yeah I, yeah i agree yeah. like my, could my, i'll use a little time away from it oh yeah my children are like they're just kind of they're just device whores like it's just terrible you know there's like device that i'm like i'm like it's so easy just to give them the device and you know, get some peace and quiet, but then it's like when 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 that battery gets down to zero, it's like oh, it's like the, it's like the world has ended. I'm thinking, man, it used to take me like three hours to download like one song off Napster. I'm like, give me a break. <laughs> True, but, not yeah. having any patience anymore. The kids, those kids, the damn kids these days. Kids these days, terrible. Yeah. Oh, it's terrible. I can't. I, I've been doing that a lot lately, and I'm really. I used, I've been joking, saying my, I'm going to hate my future self, but I think I'm kind of starting to hate my current self for being that guy. But <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't. It's fix important it. to be self-aware. Oh yeah, I'm a yeah. Definitely, you. Will, uh, I'm uh, self-deprecating as it comes, so it's it's good. So, 
So Sarah, like I said, we were, you know, obviously you are the marketing director and you do, you know, label work and design for Toppling, but I just kind of wanted to take a step back even before that kind of the, you know, the Sarah story, you know, you can see on your Instagram, your, your sketches and your, your artwork and your, your paintings and things of that nature. And I think it's really nice to, to get that insight into stuff, but what's kind of, uh, you know, what's the Sarah story? Like how did Sarah get into art and how'd you get to where you're today? Um, well, art was kind of always been my passion against since about middle school. Um, you know, struggled in high school. Only thing I was really good at was art. Um, only applied to one college, which was the Minneapolis College of Art and Design, and luckily got in. Um, and realized that when you're interested in what you're studying, it's way easier to do really well in school. So uh, really hit it hard in college and, uh, you know, spent all of my time making art, learning as much as I could, absorbing everything I could. If for no other reason than it was a private art school, so I was paying an outrageous amount of money to be there. So I tried to make the most of my time there. Uh, graduated in 2008 with an illustration major and um, I've been very fortunate to be working in the design field professionally since the month I graduated in 2008, which was a difficult thing to pull off since the recession was in full swing at that time and not, you know, some places were completely eliminating and gutting their design departments. So I've been very, very lucky, very fortunate to have always been employed doing art. Um, My first gig was working for a toy company in Minneapolis doing packaging design and some product design in the last year that I was there. So that was super fun working with kids toys, you know, organizing, uh, photo shoots, keeping kids happy during photo shoots. So, you know, dancing behind the camera guy to make them giggle and laugh while we're taking pictures of them. Um, and that was really my, my first taste of having a full on design job of making the art, dealing with vendors, putting together catalogs, going to press proofs, high demand, you know, quick turnaround times. Um, And I kind of had a lag in between. So had that job, moved out west, worked for a hospital as a designer out in Cheyenne, Wyoming, uh, which, as you can imagine, was super corporate, basic. It's a hospital. They're not going to do anything edgy. And that was, you know, paid the bills, kept my portfolio current, but wasn't exciting. Um, Worked for a nonprofit organization out in Wyoming doing suicide prevention, responsible drinking, tobacco sensation, that kind of stuff, uh, which is really important work. And it felt good to be working on something, you know, that was doing a positive impact in the community, but again, was not super creative. or challenging for me because it was government funded. Things weren't super fast paced. So I ended up moving back to Iowa where I'm originally from to be closer to family and stumbled upon a posting for a job at Toppling Goliath and the rest is history, I guess. Yeah, that's a Well, that's, that's a good story right there. Yeah. And I think that, um, as somebody who went to school for marketing, I knew, I mean, that's, that's usually, the first job, you know, you're talking about the recession. That's usually the first kind of that in the you know, design areas that get cut, unfortunately. So 
the fact that you're gainfully employed, you know, right out of college, you know, is pretty, pretty impressive. And to be grooving ever since is a, that's, that in and of itself is a, you know, we should just stop right there and just, you know, be, it's pretty awesome, right? You know, just, uh, in your field, it's not, it's pretty, it can be pretty, uh, hyper competitive and, you know, uh, underappreciated, you know, and overworked. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I think some of it is a certain amount of right place, right time. Um, that being said, I, I bet I've applied to, you know, <laughs> 150 jobs. I never got, you know, any responses back again. So, you know, it's, you know, it's a mix of things, right place, right time, applying to everything and anything you can get your hands on. And throughout all of that, I've also always been doing freelance artwork to keep my portfolio current and robust and a little bit of something for everybody, which really paid off when I applied to Toppling Goliath because my online portfolio was really what caught their eye. And if I had only been doing, you know, the work required of me at my nine to five job all those years, I don't think they would have paid any attention. Yeah, and yeah, the the work ethic is that's kind of the on you know, you when you when they look at your resume, right, you see, well, you have all these hours and you can kind of assume, you know, anywhere from, you know, forty to eighty hours on the corporate lifestyle and especially, you know, with deadlines and then to be keeping up a portfolio just kind of yeah, it was I think there's all these factors, right? And I think things happen for a reason, you know, at least sometimes at least sometimes that helps you justify some of the shitty stuff that goes on, but um <laughs> you know, yeah. So I say that sometimes I'm like, ah, there's there's a lot of things I'm questioning right now that are happening that I'm not really sure there's a reason for. Um, but but yeah, I think that I think I think just, I just really love the hustle and I really love the the grind of people and their story. And so, you know, all the you know having you know working at for the the toy th- toy uh, company uh, Manhattan Toy was probably a lot different than you were, when you worked at the hospital. And so I think that you know to, it also gives you the the versatility of working with different people and different styles. Because I think that's one of the hardest parts is when you try to collaborate or try to bring somebody's idea or company to life, you know, the, the ability to step outside of yourself and what you normally want to be able to, to bring their design or their ideas onto paper or canvas or however you want to spin that. Yeah. You know, and I think that's been the interesting part is all those random jobs that I had made me bizarrely qualified for this one job. I remember when I interviewed for it, you know, they were like, well, we need somebody who can make art? I'm like, I can do that. You know, and they're like, well, we need someone who can do products, photography. I'm like, I've done it. They're like, we need someone who works with the government. I'm like, I used to do safety warnings on kids' toys. If you think alcohol safety warnings are hard, try children's toys. Like, you know what I mean? There's choking hazards, strangulation hazards, suffocate. I mean, oh my gosh, it's super complicated. Um, and yeah, he had this, my manager had this list of things he wanted and I could check every single one of them off. And like you said, that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't, you know, moved across the country, tried all these different jobs, you know, done all these different things that just made me really qualified for what is now, you know, the best job I've ever had. Right. And it's in, and it's in your hometown. Like, that's the best part. You know what I mean? Like, that's one of the best parts is you came all the way back home and you got the job that was like you were working for your whole life. You didn't realize you wanted and that even existed. So, yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, That's I really awesome. Out. I mean, yeah, go you. Yeah, no, it's sweet. Uh, you know, I grew up about three hours south of here. Um, but when I graduated from college, I had a list of dream jobs 
and Brewery was on it. So I feel like super happy. <laughs> wow. Like now I'm just. You're bucket listing. Yeah, you're I'm... bucket listing it and just crossing that off. Yeah, yeah, I always love those too. Yeah, what else you got on that bucket list? Days. Yeah, what do you got on that bucket list? Uh, I, can't, I have to find the bucket list. Uh, you know, I've accomplished a few of them. Yeah. Pretty, pretty proud. Uh, I've got to do some art for some pretty fun places. Um, there's a burlesque hall of fame out in Las Vegas that I got to do their artwork for this giant festival they have and see it up in Vegas. So, like, you know, I say make your bucket list crazy and weird and random and then just hit it super hard and sometimes it works out yeah you got it. yeah right because yeah oh, i'm gonna work for a brewery one day it's like oh, i don't know how it's gonna happen don't really know any brewers then boom you see some posting one day and it's like all right cool then who knows what's next yeah <laughs> yeah you know you know in the meantime it's you know i did a freelance gig for surly brewing in minnesota i did some freelance for uh second salem brewing out in whitewater wisconsin so you know that was part of it I mean, some of it was also cold contacting people. I've done that over the years. You know, you hear a band you like, send them an email. Say, hey, I make posters. Can I make one for you? Like, I've done that, and I've I've built some awesome contacts that way. Um, and they've also refued, you know, referred me to other people that I've gotten gigs from. So make your list crazy is what I say, and just contact people. Worst they're going to say is no. Yeah, you know? I, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, that was the crazy – yeah, when I, I used to – I used to have a stint in radio. I did. I had a show for a while, and it was like people. I was like, man, I, I really am kind of the well is dry on CDs that I have. You know, I'm kind of. I was getting into a ride of playing a similar show every week, and I was, someone was just like, well, just reach out to the bands and ask them for their music. And I was like, it eh, seems kind of needy. And then, then they're like, do you realize that you're playing their music? Like you're there to help them. And I was like, oh yeah. So I just made like a you know I emailed yeah. everybody and their mother, and then like I would say like six months later, I literally would come home every day to a you know padded mailer of some days good and some days shit but like it was cool like i was psyched cause mm-hmm. I, if i could play a band that no one ever heard of it was you know so it was just like all right i'm gonna try that and professionally i was you know my career i'm in sales now i never thought i'd be in sales i was a kind of nerdy operations guy and i was like i'm gonna try this my wife's like well if you don't try it you're never gonna know and i love it so it's good yeah man. yeah you gotta try it out and i mean i felt the same way when i reached out to bands but you know a lot of bands can't afford to pay a designer to make a good poster. Exactly. You know, they don't, exactly. They don't make a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. So if they've got somebody who like, wants to make one for free. Like we can split our burrito with you. Like, yeah, right? Like oh, we'll give you a burrito and unlimited yeah, tickets like, for like the next five shows. It's like, cool. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I did. And, you know, some of them never, you know, some of them were just one off and other ones have, they've referred me to companies and, you know, other bands and festivals and you just never know where anything's going to lead up. Yeah, I have no idea. So I'm learning so much about Sarah today. Sarah's a hustler and I, I really love it. So I'm really, I love it. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding you. I love it. And that's to me is one of my favorite things is like, you know, you can, you can be the best artist or the best whatever, but you know, you have to have a little bit, bit of hustle and grind in you, you know, and, and have humility. So I think you got the whole package there. So that's pretty awesome. Ah, shucks. <laughs> all right let's let's move on let's move on warm and fuzzies all right so how would you because i would say that if you like i said if you go to sarah's instagram it's not the easiest to share with you on a radio show but uh sarah.headland h-e-d-l-u-n-d dot design and the google machine will help you find it if you can't uh, but i would say your 
your aesthetic and style, it's really versatile. And I think that kind of fits in what we were just talking about. But how would you describe yourself like aesthetically or as an artist? Because I think that you have a lot of different styles, you know, the your pen and ink and your, your black and white work. And, you know, it just seems like even your digital stuff, it just kind of, it, I mean, it's, I think in a good way, it's hard to kind of pigeon, pigeon uh, toe you into something. Pigeon toe? That's not right, but we're going to move on. You know what I mean. Pigeon hole. Pigeon, pigeon hole, right? Something. Yeah, anyway. Pigeon hole, yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, what is that? I think pigeon toe means you don't walk right. Um, so, I mean, when I was in college, you know, I was an illustration major, and a lot of my friends had fairly distinct styles. Um, you could look at something from across the room and know it was their artwork. And I never had that, and I always felt like it was this big failure on my part that I didn't have that, but it's actually been really beneficial that I don't have that because you know if an art director or a client doesn't like your style they're not going to hire you for a gig whereas you know if you have the ability to kind of adjust to whatever you need to be doing you can be applied to a lot more jobs than you can if you make you know very stylized characters or a very limited color palette or something like that um as far as my style goes, you know, most everything I do for any company or freelance is digital just because it gives me so much, you know, ability to adjust artwork, which happens so often when you're doing artwork for other people. You know, people, they change their minds. At the last minute, they mention, oh, no, we forgot to say there needs to be a giant octopus in the middle of this or something. And you need to be able to throw it in there. Um so if it's for somebody else, I usually just do di- digital. Um, the pen and ink pieces, the drawings, the paintings are mostly just my personal artwork that I do on my free time at home for me. Um, and that's usually just because it feels really nice to get away from a computer and feel more connected physically to the artwork is nice. Um, and especially the pen and ink stuff, it's also just kind of laziness. Like they're fast. You know, I do those in 10, 15 minutes while I'm waiting for my dinner to cook or while watching some episode of, you know, Stranger Things on Netflix or something. Um, And I used to do large scale embroidery pieces, too, but I'm like an 80 year old woman and I have like tennis elbows. I just stopped doing that. Um, So I really like trying different mediums. You know, I've recently gotten to clay. yeah, I just I get really obsessed when I find a new way of making artwork and I kind of just go overboard with it for a while. <laughs> but then I always default back to just drawing. Like that's my most comfortable place. Yeah. Yeah, and also, yeah, I watch out like is the I think the, the website is really is really great to kind of a picture, you know, in, into what you're where you what you're doing, what you're up to cuz I, I mean, I've just last couple of days I've been clicking around each one, each subset is like, it's these great and they're, and they're different. So what you're saying before, one of the cool things, I always felt like every artist had to have an aesthetic and that was, and I, I tell everyone this, it's more of the question I was like really proud of because I'm not that artsy. I just know what I like. And I was like, Oh, aesthetic is such a cool art word. I'm going to use that. And every, and I get like all these like, Ugh. <laughs> I get these like cringes like, Oh really? And I'm like, I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm like, I've already asked it for like 10 other people. And like, I, just, I, I have to ask you, you know, but like, 
the my favorite it's really becoming more and more uh common is the idea that there's some people are saying their aesthetic is having no aesthetic and that they're really happy with that and i think that you're a good example of that because i think aesthetic means it's you're limited to you know or style that's you and you see it which is fine but i think that your versatility and the fact that you're always trying new things you know is really cool next you know who knows next next month you're gonna tell me you're doing you're now a mosaic artist and you're making these little you know things in your backyard who knows but i think it's cool i mean if you go down like i said sarah uh, com, you can see all the cool you know different kind of uh pieces of the story which i really like now with that said there's all these uh these 31 days of is that what's the story with those is that something that you do on your own you challenge yourself or is it some uh a group of folks doing those what's the story with those uh that is me being a lunatic uh so <laughs> i started those uh four years ago the challenge to try to do a halloween themed drawing every day of the month of october um but of course, being myself, I had to do like full digital illustrations that take hours instead of drawings, um, which was easier to do when I had a less demanding job. But now that I'm at Toppling Goliath, um, it's been a task the last few years, honestly, to get that done. Um, and it's self-imposed. And there were nights when I was staying up super late trying to get them done and just felt like, what am I doing, you know? I don't have to do this. Like nobody else is making me do this. Um, but I also really hate not finishing things. So I just did it anyways. Um, so yeah, it's just a cool way to challenge myself. And it's also really satisfying at the end of the month to say like, wow, I made 31 fucking illustrations in a month. Like awesome. Like that's yeah. a huge accomplishment. Yeah. And they're, so, and they're, and they're pretty legit. Like yeah. they're not just like, Oh, cause we, yeah, we did, um, and I'm a, I mean, I'm not an artist. I guess I'm not an artist. I'm, I'm pretending, but um, we did work with uh, Robbie Davis, who does Against the Grains uh, artwork in, in Kentucky. And mm-hmm. when I interviewed him, he had a similar thing that that him and some of the folks in the kind of the Louisville, Kentucky area did, and they called it Doodle or Die, and and they all kind of spitballed and came up with you know 30 words of, for the month, and then every day they would you know you do do a doodle around that theme, so. I mean, I, I tried to do that and I was just doing, I was just drawing with pencil and it was really fucking hard. Like it was hard. And I was just like, there'd be, there'd, there'd be days. Oh, well, right, yeah. And I, oh yeah. Then the best was like, I tried to get, I downloaded illustrator for like a week. And so like, you can see me trying to learn illustrator and I'm fairly tech savvy, but it just did not do what I wanted it to do. <laughs> it did not do what I wanted it to do. I don't think anybody can learn illustrator in a week, man. So don't feel bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I don't, but that was the thing. I was like happy that, that, that the time ran out like Adobe was. And yeah, it was just like, I knew that I could not figure it out. And I was like, I was like, Adobe was like, your week is up. And I was like, oh, thank God. I can't figure this out. This is not good. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, this is terrible. Yeah, oh, Adobe yeah. is no joke. Yeah. I mean, I, I've done Photoshop back in the day, and that was, but it was just like all these different icons and this, all these, con- yeah, I, yeah, exactly. Vector art is like, and I would talk to my art director at work, and he's like, yeah, man, Vector is where it's at. Like, I'm like, I'm like, I don't know, man. This is not this is not where I should be. I'm like, so I was excited. I, I just went to Walgreens that night. I just bought like a box of colored pencils, and I was like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna kick this. <laughs> and I was, it was so much. I was just, just like, go. this is this is my happy place. I'm like, I'm good to go. 
Yeah, no, it's I actually did not um, study digital art much when I was in school. I took one digital illustration class in my entire college education, and I hated it, and it didn't make any sense to me. Um, and then I graduated, and I, you know, was working my first job, and they were like, hey, you need to vectorize this. And I, I think I literally had to Google vectorize. Like, I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, where's that button? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was like, is that a button I can push? No? Okay. So, you know, everything that I do in Illustrator has just been self-taught because I had to, you know? Like, I knew the basics of, like, how to open a file and save it. And that was about all I had retained from college. So, you know, I think there's a lot of people out there that feel like they have to take all these courses, and you don't. You just have to spend time. That's it. You know? Right. It's my, yeah, your time, you know, it's like, yeah, where, where you're putting your hours is, that's the whole key. But again, and I, yep. since you, since you, this will be a new story to you, but it's quickly like when I used to manage the band, uh, we made an album cover and I, like I said, I was a hack in Photoshop, but I, you know, I, I was fucking around with it for a couple of days and changing the light and we sent to one of the guys and like, that's our album. I'm like, cool. And I was like, all right. And they're like, can you send us this like vectorize or high, you know, dpi and i was like no i'm like that's it man They're like well where's all the layer files and this i was like i don't know what you're talking about i'm like that's what we got <laughs> and we tried for like a week to recreate it and thankfully they just like sent it like they did a test print and it were it was just i had i think maybe my my by default my my settings were high enough that I was able to you know to work but i was like oh thank god because we tried and tried and i was just like i must have hit some buttons and changed some settings and shadowing and it was like there we go but we can never recreate it again. So that was like, a... I have, yeah. All that happens a lot. You know, you get I'll, every job I've ever been at, you know, it's been like, Oh, can you include this person's logo? And it's this pixelated flat JPEG that you can't do anything with. And half the time I'll just recreate the thing in illustrator and be like, here's your logo in a vector format for future reference. <laughs> just cause I couldn't handle it. I just made it again for you. So you're like, oh, you're one of the, you're a flat file sender, aren't you? He's like, oh yeah, they have no idea. Oh yeah, or like we'd we'd buy ads and it'd be like these animated gifs, and I would spend like hours, and the the file size would be so large, and they'd be like, like the company right back, and like this is gonna run on a website with, with like forty other ads. Like, do you realize that you cannot have this high megabytes, you know, whatever? And I was like, oh no, and so I'd like have to cut down the you know the number of screens whatever it is the, the you know panels that animated on from like you know a hundred to like four and i was like oh, it doesn't really look as cool as i was planning but <laughs> that's why yeah I'm it's like, a learning curve for sure yeah for sure so so let's uh so obviously so you apply for the job at, at toppling i mean and just kind of on a on a on a whim now how long have you, how long have you been there I have been here for just over a year now. I started the last week of September 2016. All right. Now, not that I'm keeping track or anything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're <laughs> like, it was a cloudy day when Sarah came to It town. was a cloudy day. It was a beautiful, <laughs> sunny day. I could tell you the outfit I wore. I was pretty excited to be here. Yeah, exactly. Here, are you still there right now? Uh, Well, I mean, I'm in Decora, so here. Okay. Royal here. <laughs> yeah, right. well, yeah, I said I said a collective we. It's my. It's me. There's me. Sorry to let you down. It's just me. I'm the producer. Host the whole thing. Now your whole team. Yeah, exactly. It just makes me feel better about myself. Um, is there is there like around that area? Is 
I've never I've never been to Top Link, but I mean obviously it's it's pretty well known in the craft beer scene. But is it you know locally is that is it really well known? Was it something that you were cognizant of before applying to it, or what, how did that kind of work out? Um, you know, like I said at the time, I was living three hours south of here, and that's where I had grown up. And I've been into craft beer beer for a long time. And I had heard of Toppling Goliath, but I don't honestly think I had had any of TG beers before I applied for this job. It was just kind of, you know, a name that I'd heard floating around. Um, and I saw the posting, and like I said, you know, I've always wanted to work for a brewery. The job description seemed right up my alley. And then I Googled Decora, which I had never been to, even though I'm from Iowa, and it's gorgeous. Like, it's just a beautiful town. Um, it's actually down in a meteor crater. So the whole town is surrounded by bluffs. Uh, there's a river that runs through it. It's got a really active arts community and outdoor, like, you know, skiing and hiking and canoeing, whatever. Just a really neat town. So I got really intrigued by that aspect of it, too because I've moved around over the years and just kind of wanted to be in a place that fit my lifestyle again. Um, so I applied to the job, told my brother-in-law, Paul, about it. And he he didn't used to be into craft beer, but I got him into it. And then he was this giant TG nerd and I didn't know about it. And I told him I applied for this job and he freaked out. Like, he was like, you got to get this job. You got to get me this beer. Oh my God, if you get this job, I can get free TG beer. So he started freaking out. And then I started kind of Googling and I was like, oh my God, okay, this is a big deal. Like, I just thought it was some brewery. Like, I I wasn't aware of like how big of a deal it was. Um, you know, because we have standing number one beer in the world for KBBS. And I mean, just in crazy stuff, like just the ratings and some of our stouts just, you know. Shocking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've um, only, yeah, I've only had the, uh, the IPAs. I, I, people, I mean, I, I, I have two boys. I think I have to trade both of them to, to get those other beers. So, I mean, I, 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 I do, I do love <laughs> well, my children. Come to Decora someday. Yeah. No, I, I, everything I've heard is, everything I've heard, I've heard, I've heard it's wonderful. So, I mean, I, yeah, uh, they're, you know, they're great. I'm an IPA junkie myself. So, I'm well, super happy with all the IPAs that I get. Oh, yeah. And but then, those barrel age. And then self-serving, my wife is Sue. So, I mean, anytime I can buy, like, I trade beer more than I should. And anytime, <laughs> like, there's a few different breweries that have Sue beers or Susans. And so I just trade those and I keep, you know, keep the bottles around just because it's like, I, I, I know, I know who's the boss around here. And just a little, little tip of the cap. You put up, you put up with this mess of a man. I'm like, here, you know, just, uh, here you go. So, yeah, it works out well. But you're yeah. a wise man. <laughs> I, I try to be. So I'm, yeah, I'm gonna. Almost forty years young, I'm finally learning. You know, but it's it's good. <laughs> Never too young. Never too old. Um, yeah. So you know, I applied for the job, did some research, figured out that it was you know a big deal in the craft beer world. Um, and they had me come up for the interview, and yeah, just got along with everybody really well. They really dug my vibe. Um, I really liked all of them. Decora was beautiful. Uh, obviously, the fact that we are building a brand new brewery was a very exciting aspect of getting into the company at this time. When I started, we were just putting the framework up, and this week we brewed our very first batch of beer there. So it's been a really exciting time to be at a brewery, you know, watching this giant brewery getting built around you with a brand new tap room and everything all in one location is pretty cool. Now, the 
the the vibe or the design of that place i mean do you have any do you have any input in that like i said i've never i've never been there but you know i think that you've had your hand in a lot of, i mean especially yeah. some of these epic labels you know you've definitely you know redesigned or kind of modernized some of them and i think so that must have been exciting to be able to be part of a physical structure yeah so i mean the cool thing about this place is we're a small but mighty team and we all have a lot of things to do, so we don't have a less time to micromanage each other. <laughs> so there is a ton of creative freedom for me, which has been awesome. Um, I rebranded the entire company in January of this year. You know, I'd been there for three months when I walked up to the owner and said, here's what I think your logo should be. And he said, yes. So that's crazy. <laughs> you know, like that's, that doesn't usually happen that easily. Yeah, I don't even think you're um, out of your uh, out of your probationary period at that point, right? <laughs> it's like, hey, right, yeah, like just gonna go for the it. The amount here. of trust, yeah, the amount of trust that is handed to me was handed to me from day one. It's been like awesome, um, and really helped me feel comfortable and confident in this position from a very you know early stage. Um, so yeah, I've just been redesigning all the labels refreshing the brands that I thought the images were too iconic to change. Um, but really bringing the visual branding of the company up to the quality that I think it should be to match the quality of the beer. Um, and then as the brewery physical brewery has been getting built, you know, yeah, we've been having huge meetings about, you know, what color stones should be on the outside? What kind of bar stool should we have? What color should this wall be? You know? So I have been a part of a lot of that. Um, the overall structure was already decided before I got there. Um, but I used the building to justify the rebranding, which was awesome. Because when I got there, they had already picked up the colors, which were gray and red. And when I started, the logo, the company logo was brown and tan. And I was like, this building has nothing to do with your brand. You know, like this doesn't make any sense. And so I was like, red, I can work with this. And so redesigned the logo and then photoshopped it on the building. And like, that's what sold it. You know, it was just like, boom, this is a brand, you know, like this is a cohesive story from the beer to the building. So the fact that the wall was red in the building made my life a lot easier <laughs> for the last year. And we are back and we back and we back Sarah Headland. 16-ounce canvas, episode number 37. Really enjoying it. Really uh, had a lot of fun with this one. And one thing I've noticed, and I just want to apologize to, to Sarah, when I noticed that uh, going back and listening to some of the older episodes, when I'm speaking with somebody and I notice, or this is kind of just more of a, a self-critique, but when during the interviews when we start joking and laughing, I'm really bad at talking over somebody. And so... In this episode, I really, when I was editing, made a conscious effort to edit myself out wherever I could in some of those. Because it's really hard when you're on the phone or, you know, we do it over the computer with somebody you're talking, but you're not really sure where to start and begin. And so there's definitely a few edits that we made where I kind of removed my voice because I talked over Sarah and kind of ruined what she was saying. So I do I do apologize for that. So it was kind of actually... Uh, it was uh, it was interesting having to remove your you know, your commentary out of this stuff. So that's just kind of a little backstory, you know, pop up video behind the music uh, insight for you on this week's episode. Have 
really made a conscious effort, and it's been it's been fun listening to other podcasts and reading, you know, about how to improve uh, interviewing techniques and just kind of be comfortable with uh, the empty space and allow for things to develop. So we are a work in progress. We're like a barrel aged beer. You know, we get better with time. So we are we're working. We'll have a we'll get there. I don't think we're going to be winning interviewer of the year, but we've had some uh, great folks on who are telling some great stories. I really like Sarah's story for the, you know, the, the hard work, the grind, uh, the work that she's, you know, done with Toppling already with their rebranding. I think it's really slick. I think it really looks great. Like I said, I'm here in Chicago, kind of been stopping in different, you know, beer stores and just kind of, you know, seeing, since we don't get distribution in Connecticut, it was cool to see some of the, the Sioux's you know, and some of the work that's uh, going on over there. It's, uh, it's, uh, it was, I think it was really great. I think it takes a lot to rebrand kind of a, a top brewery and to take that on. And she's only been there just over a year. And so I think that just shows, you know, how talented and, you know, all the hard work that goes in, all this stuff is really smart, you know, utilizing. I love the, the extra secret color of the, you know, aluminum can that you use, especially on the, the pseudo Sioux stuff. And, you know, anytime you can work with a, you know, a kick-ass T-Rex, I know that my, myself and, and, and the boys think it's really cool. Uh, the boys being my sons who are T-Rexes for Halloween. So really, really enjoyable. Uh, SarahHeadland.com uh, is the website. Sarah.Headland.Design is the Instagram. Toppling Goliath tgbrews.com you can find them on all the social sites also they make some of the top ranked beers in the world if they wanted to send some over we would not uh, you know turn them down so self-serving as always but I really try to and we had a few sues the other day uh, just to just for research purposes just to kind of get in the zone you know get in the toppling zone and it was uh it was really nice to be able to to do that it was uh unexpected you know this interview aligning with this trip but has worked out great so we thank you for listening each week we thank those of you who are leaving reviews who are sharing retweeting liking there's probably some other stuff that i don't know that's that's happening that's really cool and we thank you for that so it's just really been a a lot of fun we've got some cool conversations coming up down the road we've uh some folks have reached out to us and so we'll keep you updated on what comes of that and like I said, if you have any feedback or insight or artists that you'd like to introduce us to, we'd love to hear from you. So don't be a stranger. We hope everybody had a lovely Thanksgiving. And I know it was a lot of fun for us. Got to see the family all over the place. Our son got bit by a dog. You know, just, just some of the normal you know, normal day-to-day stuff. But uh, turkey, mashed potatoes, everything was flowing, and we had a lot of fun. So hopefully you did too. We are still thankful for all of you, and we hope you'll... Uh, Stick around. So here's part two. Sarah Headland, Toppling Goliath, 16-ounce canvas, other keywords, insert here, and we're back. I joked before, but, I mean, if people go crazy for some of these high-ranked beers. Did did you, were, was there a concern there that you were kind of, like, messing with something that was already kind of uh, already iconic? When I first started there, I think the I can't remember what the first label was that I refreshed. Um, it probably would have been Pseudo Sue, which is one of our most popular, not a barrel age, but one of our most popular, you know, flagship beers. Um, Cause we were starting our partnership with the field museum in Chicago. So we had to change our cans to reflect that uh, relationship and add their logo to the can. Um, 
And I just, you know. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I had rebranded Wait, the company. That's pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we named it Pseudo Sue and put a T-Rex on it. This is before I was there. Um, naming it after Sue, the T-Rex skeleton that is at uh, the Field Museum in Chicago. It's the most intact uh, T-Rex skeleton is in the U.S., if not the world. I'm not quite sure about that part. Um, and their lawyers found out about the beer, and instead of suing each other, they came to us and said, hey, let's collaborate. And so we now have the Field Museum logo on our can. They sell Pseudo Sue in the bistro at the Field Museum. So you can actually go and get a draft of Pseudo Sue at the museum, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. And then they sell Pseudos. Yeah, so you can take your kids to the museum and then go and have a fucking beer at the end. There you cool. go, dude. Yeah, we yeah because we go to the we go to the Natural History Museum. I mean, my kids go crazy for T Rex. I mean, I'll send you a picture for Halloween. We were as a family. Do you know those uh, blow up T Rex costumes? You probably have like ten of them in the brewery. Oh yeah. Yeah, so as yeah. a whole family, we did that. There's four of us, and then nice. they don't make them for like a toddler. My son's four now, but they don't make them for like little dudes. So he was like the baby T Rex. Oh, so yeah. I mean, I I thought. I mean. That's pretty awesome. I mean, I saw I saw the picture of uh, of Barb and Clark at the Field Museum, but I didn't put two and two uh, together. But that that that's pretty awesome. That's like I mean, that's a cool, that's like one of the cooler collaborations I think I've uh, you know heard of. Yeah, and I mean that was it was a great event. I mean that picture was from the uh, the official rollout of Pseudo Sue at the Field Museum, and it was awesome. We got to go to the Field Museum, and they took us at a uh, took us on a behind the scenes tour of their archives which is crazy because I don't know if you've been to the museum, but it's huge. And they only have, I think it's 10% of their collection on display. It might be 1%. It's crazy. Like their archive is like the end of Indiana Jones. It's just like rows and rows of priceless artifacts. And we got to just walk around near them. Like it was super cool. I was like, Oh, you're just standing next to a giant like beer sign from Pompeii. No big deal. Like, it's just there on a shelf, not behind glass. Um, yeah, Jabba's also had some really awesome perks. Yeah, I could totally destroy all these artifacts right now, like, in, like, a bad movie. Yeah, I, oh, that's, that's, my wife is, like I said, a seventh grade science teacher, and she would geek the hell out if she had that opportunity. So, I, I love the, oh, I love the excitement and the appreciation in your voice. That's, that's super cool. Yeah, it was definitely a very cool collaboration, and it's still ongoing. Um, long story short, so <laughs> Pseudo Sue was the first redesign I did, and that initial time that I said I'm redesigning Pseudo Sue, there was definitely a look of like, okay, who's this new chick? Yeah, up. right. Yeah, right. Who yeah, I'm like, all right, don't fuck it up. And I was like, not gonna, <laughs> you know, like, don't worry about it. It's gonna be fine. Yeah. Um, go make another, so that, go make yeah, another beer. Image, I got this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you guys make killer beer, I'll make you a killer can, it'll be fine. Um, so a big part of that was I kept the same color palette, I kept the same angle view of the T-Rex, and then just re-illustrated it to make it really clean and crisp. Obviously, when it's translating to a can, there's printing limitations, you know, and the old cans were just a little bit muddy and hard to read. So a lot of it's just been just cleaning it up, making it more focused, clear, something that you can read from across the room. Cause that's been my biggest thing is like, we needed more brand recognition. I wanted customers to walk into uh, a liquor store and expect, boom, there's my beer like right there and not have to search through 
let's face it, the sea of craft beer that is out there right now. So that's kind of been my main focus is just, you know, visibility and brand continuity since I started. And it's, and it's cool because with, with the pseudo Sue, there's all these different kind of variants or however you want to say it, you know, this dry hopped or double dry hopped or this, what have you. And they're all unique, but the same. I mean, obviously that makes sense. Like it's like this base of the, you know, of Sue and the, the Rex, but like, they're all different, which I, I love, I just love that. Like, it's kind of, you can tell their family members or cousins or however you want to look at it, but they all have their own unique kind of like twist on it. And it's, it's really great. I just think yeah. it's really, I think it's really awesome. Yeah. Cause in the past, I think they had just, I don't even know that we were, I don't think we had separate labels before for all those variations. So that's been a new thing too. I think it's been really exciting for customers to be able to see that's mosaic pseudo sue, that's double dry hop pseudo sue. Um, yeah, it's just such an iconic brand for us. So, yeah, that first redesign, there was definitely a little bit of like, all right, let's see what you're going to do. And who that, hired, yeah, who hired her? It's like, what does go. she think? Right. It's like, yeah. Yep. And ever I, since then, it's kind of been do your thing. Well, right, so it's, it's like it's like nice. yeah. Once you kind of like run that gauntlet, and you're like, oh, that that brand, which was our, you know, one of our flagships, like to be in that flagship category and be like, I'm going to tweak this, and then people be like, oh, damn, all right, cool. It's like that was kind of like your, you didn't need to really after that point. It was kind of like, yeah, all right, whatever she wants to do, I'm down with that. It's like, hey, you should get a haircut and you should wear a different shirt. It's like, hey, Sarah's not Sarah's <laughs> got the look, you know, whatever. And I like the aluminum, the yeah, use of the no. aluminum can too, because like the aluminum of the can. To make the dinosaur, you know, pop out it makes me even more of a, you know, not that T Rex really needs help on the the badass category, but I really think that it looks really great. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I'm with the cans. You have a limitation of six print colors, and so by using the can color, you kind of cheat and get a seventh color. So, I was trying to kind of use that to our benefit, that limited color palette. Um, and we just. I actually just redesigned all of our other flagship cans and we got the the pilot cans in this week and they're gorgeous. So keep your eyes out. There's going to be super sexy cans coming soon. I rebranded all of our flagships. So pretty exciting stuff. That is exciting. So have they already gone to the, uh, was it the TCB or is that, is that the next step? Have they already been approved? Already gone to TCB, been approved. Um, already gone to Ball and they just sent me the the print proof of the cans. Yeah. See, I know the lingo. I'm down. I'm 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 becoming one. Yeah, of you. look at you. You know what the TTB is. That's yeah, cool. right. And, I, and the six <laughs> the six colors thing. It's, it's yeah, it's good because because if you guys be in distribution, you're more you're limited. But I've noticed it's that's been the cool thing too. The everyone's like the this the seventh the secret seventh color of the of the aluminum is kind of like the you know the secret handshake, which I, I think is I think is great. I love it. Yeah, I mean, you know, might as well just use it to your benefit. And it just makes a cool pop, you know? I agree. It reflects the light better and definitely makes that dinosaur jump off the can. Now, how do you test that? Like, I've always, that's interesting because, like, when you're creating it digitally, I mean, obviously you leave that blank, but do you have kind of a template that gives it a proper rendering of the of the aluminum shine? Like, how do you, how do you recreate that digitally? Uh, you don't. You just visualize it and your, your mind grapes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> to quote 30 Rock, like a nerd. Uh, yes. So um, I just, you know, did it on the Sudo Sue can and then I carried it through 
all these other rebrands I just did. So each can moving forward has some exposed aluminum on all of them, um, which is easy for me to visualize, but was really hard for some of my coworkers. So that's a challenge because I'm the one and only person in the entire design department for the whole company. And my mind works in one way and it's hard for me to remember that everyone else's does not. Um, you know what I mean? So yeah. when I print it off, it's just gray and people are like, well, this looks fucking terrible. And I'm like, no, 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 no. But it's going to be like reflective aluminum, man. It's going to be cool. And they're like, yeah, it looks like crap. And I'm like, I know because it's a print off. Don't worry. <laughs> you should do like a cutout, like a little, like you know, it was like a yeah, like a like a like a puppet type thing, like it just would be yeah, yeah, like just cut it out of the silver. Yeah, it's like oh, this is pretty. But this is oh, this is your upgrade, huh? It's like okay, great. Yeah, way, way to go. No, I definitely do a lot of cutouts. I do. I honestly do that. Like, um. Oh yeah, right. I forgot. I forgot. You learned. You have every. Pack. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you make that shrinky dang snacks yeah. out of them. It'd be good. Yeah. Well, yeah, so it's like instead of the pack text we have now, which is a little plastic snap-on pieces, we're moving to paper boxes for our four-packs. Um, and so I literally printed off and, like, hand-taped together tiny little four-pack boxes so my coworkers could see it because, you know, people are visual, and most people who don't have a design print background can't look at a flat, you know, die line and visualize a box, like, so it's a lot of that, you know what I mean? When you're working with a team that doesn't have the same background as you. I definitely have a lot of little tiny t-shirts made out of paper that I like hand cut out and made little t-shirts so they could see the design, so like little boxes. Um, and that's been really helpful because I, you know, whenever I do a big redesign or a big change, I do take it to the whole team, you know, the head brewer, the lead of sales, the owner, the CFO, you know, our administrative director and just say, what do you think? Because it doesn't matter if a room full of art nerds likes it. You know, I need to know that your average person who's going to be walking into a liquor store is going to like it also. Well, yeah, I think that also the the buy-in, right? If you show people that you respect their opinions, I think it carries a lot of weight too. That it's just not like coming in there, bowling the china shop style and just kind of saying, well, this is what we're going to do. So, I, yeah, I, I know that when people ask my opinions on stuff that maybe is not my forte, but they're willing to kind of, without insult, saying I'm not intelligent, but they kind of dumb it down for me and kind of explain it to me. And you make little cutouts of T-shirts. Like, I think that goes a long way. Yeah, definitely. Well, and the thing is, some of my coworkers that when I started, you know, they said, I don't know anything about art. God, you know, now they're coming to me and saying, you know, you should really think about it because I think the opacity is too low on this. You know, like they're getting so much better at it. You're like, what so, did I create? I created a monster. really good instincts. Yeah, well, and some of them really have have really good instinct, and it's just been ha- helping them learn the vocabulary or how to express. Like you said, you don't know, you know, you don't know what you like, but you you know when you see it. Um, and so a big part of that is helping people build that vocabulary to how to communicate. You don't like it, but why? You know, is it the colors? Is it the layout? Is the is it the way that I drew this? you know, flying warrior woman through space. Like, what is the issue, you know? So. Right. Yeah. For me, you know, it's been great. Yeah. Yeah. For me, a lot of times there was not so much anymore, but it's because I'm, I'm, I'm colorblind. So I'm not the, like, I won't give feedback on like, on colors all the time. So I'm kind of, I definitely know when I'm like, ah, oh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put my foot into that one because I'm not even sure if that's what color I think it is. Like, I'm like, I'm okay with that. That's good. Yeah. But it's Yeah. That would definitely make it harder. 
But I, again, I, I, I would still argue for on no logical reason that I probably see better colors than everybody else. And maybe I'm just not limited to the same <laughs> color palettes as everybody else. That's, that's my justification. I like it. Yeah. Now you also, you did the rebranding of the, the morning delight, which is kind of like the, you know, one of the, you know, the top 10, you know, be advocate that, that's you, right? The the new the new style again. You said you kind of kept it that similar with that almost like a coffee sack kind of color and the the beans. Yeah, so but... I I kept the uh, coffee bag texture that was on the label that was there when I got there. I changed the fonts, uh, the layout of the fonts, um, and then eventually we ended up doing a customized box for that release this year. And I kind of tweaked the artwork even more. And by the end of it, I liked the box more than I liked the label. So I was all like, man, I wish my label looked more like this box. Like, it looks so sexy. Um, it's a coffee maple stout. So the box featured maple leaves and a really, you know, clean illustration of some coffee beans and just some really fun, like, off-register printing to make it look like kind of vintage, old-school packaging. Um, so I definitely think that that look will get applied more to the label next year. Uh, this one, it was a little bit, I'd say somewhere half between the old design and, you know, what it will probably be next year. Uh, so that one wasn't a, like a super uh, big, up, you know, change from the old one. Um, I did refresh the Kentucky Brunch brand stout label this year. Um, and again, I, you know, I try not to just go totally left field with them. so. I tried to keep the feel of it, but again, I changed the font to something that was a little bit more legible, a little bit cleaner. Um, I redid the scroll work on the edging of it, again, to make it cleaner, crisper, a little bit fancier looking than the stuff we had before. On that one, I also did a lot of work with our vendor to do a textured paper stock that had foiled aspects on it and it was embossed. Um, so that label is really nice to like hold in your hand. Like it's got a texture to it. It's got a feel. It's just very different than all the other labels that we do. And I thought that was really important because the price point on that bottle was $100 for 12 ounces. You know, and if I'm paying that kind of money, I want that bottle to feel special. I want that to feel like something that was worth it, you know, because obviously the beer inside of it is amazing, but that the packaging is that first step to the beer. So it was important to make it look as good as the beer tastes. Yeah. And I, and I think just for research purposes, you know, you should, just so I can feel it, you should, if you send a couple over here, I'll just definitely, I'll just, you know, it'll be fine. <laughs> I'll just check it out. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I definitely, um, yeah, we've, some of the other artists we've talked to, um, one that sticks out for me uh, specifically, who I think it'd be cool for you to talk to, is uh, Tim Bochin of Side Project. Um, they're in St. Louis, and they do a lot of the, you know, it's a lot of typography, so it looks, you know, I hate the word simple, but it looks very simple and elegant, but they use a lot of, you know, metallic or special raised, you know, um, you know, paper or certain stock when they do it, and I think that really, to to exactly drive home your point i think it really gives a, a level of kind of elegance and kind of uh complements the the beer and all the the all the the legendary level it's at especially for that that price point and even that cool wooden box that came in was pretty epic yeah no that was a fun addition for sure you know and all that stuff is 
it's an exciting challenge. You know, sometimes it's hard when you're in the middle of doing other things and then someone says, oh, yeah, we want wooden cylinder boxes that are custom made for these bottles, but big enough to accommodate the wax drip that goes down the side of it. And they need to be, you know, burned with our logo on it and we need them in a month. <laughs> it's a little stressful, but, you know, it works out and, you know. Yeah, they, they they add that really like they yeah they add the the month part really quickly like oh yeah and that's uh that's uh due next week uh, yeah okay gotta go <laughs> yeah the nice thing is is you know we're all super used to it so I mean we're just you know all of us are super busy and you know wear a lot of hats and do a lot of different aspects of different you know none of us have one job and stay in that little corner and just do that one thing you know which can make for some crazy days but also makes us all really you know, versatile. Yeah. Now, how is that? What's the life cycle? Like, how is it from when you're, you know, a new, a new beer or a new project comes up to when it kind of becomes, goes down to distribution or is sold at the brewery? How does that work for you? Do you have a, a schedule of releases for the year and you're working towards that? Or do you, is it kind of, um, you know, hodgepodge? Yeah. I mean, we're working, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of both. So for the barrel-aged beers, there's a lot more heads up about that, obviously, because they're sitting around for a long time. Um, and that's usually, you know, the brewer will be like, hey, we're thinking spring release for this. You know, we're going to start pulling the kegs down and, you know, trying the barrels in about a month. This is what we think you're going to do with it. You should start thinking about it. Um with some of the other ones, like the IPAs, sometimes it'd be like, hey, heads up in two weeks for bottling Intergalactic Warrior, you know, and you either reordering the labels you already have or you're redesigning, sending the TTB and ordering them to try to get here in two weeks. So with the new brewery that we're opening up, we now have a canning line, which we didn't have before. And just due to the nature of a canning line, we have to get our production schedule a little bit farther out. So we're we're working towards having a really far advanced production schedule. Um, most of that's just because we're, you know, we're going to be making beer a larger quantity now. So we just have to be aware of what we're doing more just to have the raw materials. Whereas before, you know, when we had a 60 barrel tank, it's like, well, you can kind of play around with it. You know, it's like, well, you can make this beer, you can make that beer. We have enough ingredients to do either. The kind of limberness is, you know, changing a little bit, but we're definitely going to be able to still have that playful side where we're able to kind of at a whim decide to make something in a smaller tank at the new site, which will be cool. That is cool. Now, one of the things I always find it to be impressive or the hardest for me to kind of get my head around is taking feedback or kind of the, the collaborative nature of, of criticism. Again, do you have any advice for, for folks, you know, maybe you're, earlier on in their career or just kind of uh, need to get themselves a thicker skin you know, on that on giving or more importantly receiving, you know, feedback. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, for me, part of being prepared to be out in the professional world was honestly going through four years of art school where you spend all of your time making art and then having it ripped apart in front of you in front of a group of your peers <laughs> makes you pretty thick skinned by the end of it. But obviously not everybody has that background. Um, you know, I, my biggest thing is if you got a reason, then I'm cool with it. But if you're just like, I hate this and you can't tell me why, 
I can struggle with that because I don't want you to hate it. You know, like I know I can't make everybody happy with my art. You know, you're never going to make everyone happy. Um, but if you've got that feeling like something's off about a piece and someone's saying they don't like it, I will definitely sit there for a long time and try to work with them. Like, is it the color and sit there and change it in front of them on the computer? Is it the blue? Is it this? Should I move it over there? And, you know, I've had some really great improvements happen doing that with people, just really being willing to sit there and move stuff around, you know, save your file first, of course, but move stuff around and just see what happens. Um, that being said, you also, you have to also have the ability to know that if you're in that position, you're there for a reason and because you know what you're doing and you have the background to know what's good and what's not good. So don't let people talk you into using Comic Sans or something or Papyrus, some terrible font that you know you shouldn't be using. Um, but yeah, you got to be open, open to criticism open to people's suggestions, but also knowing when to walk away from them, you know, don't get bogged down and trying to fit in what five different people want in a piece of art. Cause it'll be a hot mess in the end, you know? So it's a hard balance between the two sometimes, you know, and I think the more people do it, the more comfortable they get, but you're not going to win any long-term, you know, points with anybody if you're super defensive and not open to anybody's criticism. Like, that's that's not helping you at all. Your art's going to suffer and your work relationships will suffer too. Yeah, and I, I also think that the big takeaway there is you should have less respect for people if they use comic stands at any point in their life. True, <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. Um, oh. and again, not like when LeBron James, I think whatever time he, the first time he left Cleveland, which is like a... I'm not sure if you're a sports person, but he's pretty iconic. But the owner, like, is a letter to, like, the fans and, and the season ticket holders. It was kind of, like, complaining. And he wrote this letter. It was, like, a heated letter, but he wrote it in Comic Sans. And it just, like, a clown wrote it. Oh, my it. God. Awesome. Yeah, it was so <laughs> bad. And I was just, like, I'm watching it. And it was on TV. And I was just, like, does anyone else notice that he wrote this in Comic Sans? Like, this is driving me insane. I'm, like, like, like this so is. So not, like. A bossy font. Right. It's like there should be like a like a carnival like kind of like loop in the background and like a guy should be delivering it while he's like, you know, making balloon animals. Like I was like, why why is that even <laughs> on somebody's computer who's an executive who's like worth billions of dollars? Yeah. I'm like, just go with oh, the go with the old school. Nobody has yeah. the guts to tell him not to use it. Right. Just be like, dude, you know, Times Roman that. Like, just, don't be be uncreative. Go Times Roman. Maybe a little sans serif. Like whatever. But please God. <laughs> Comic Sans should, like, be auto-deleted oh, off people's computers. Unless you were, like, an elementary school teacher. It's the only time it's okay. Yeah, or you're trying to do... You're or, literally making things for children. <laughs> yeah, or you're trying to make an example of what you should not do. Like, that's the only two times, I think, in, in life. Like, this is not anything that anyone's going to take you professionally. Like, you know, like, oh, man. They, they, like, a typewriter had one type of font. Like, you know, and so I think people get a little carried away, and it's like, oh, this looks fun. It's rounded. It feels cool. No. <laughs> looks like handwriting. <laughs> yeah. Great. Looks like an idiot wrote that. And so that's what I think of you. Like, actually, that's why we type things, so they don't look handwritten. <laughs> yeah. That was the whole invention of the computer. You've really just kind of taken this, you know. <laughs> exactly. Would you, like a cr- would you like a crayon to go with that? Oh, man. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just that balance. You know, trust yourself, but also be open to people's ideas at the same time i guess yeah and i love the idea of being like okay and then opening up a file and showing them like what is possible or hey okay we can tweak that a little bit in that color you know 
That's really great. Ooh, also I will say if someone has a really bad idea, just actually do it and show it to them and they'll usually be like, Oh my god, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> that is also <laughs> one of my favorite things to do. Like This is oh, what oh this is what you wanted? Oh, this is what you wanted. Okay. You want this to go on the market and represent oh. our brand and all your hard work? This? Yeah. Oh. And then, you know, it's fun because then you can be like, Now I'm thinking we should do this instead and be like, Oh wow, you're right. That looks way better. I'm like, Cool. But you took the time to consider their point of view, you know, and to do it and to mock it up. It's a risky game, though, because they could end up liking their crazy idea. Like, oh, my God, that's even better than I thought it would be. (laughs) Like, no, no. Exactly. It looks so great. Oh, oh, no, no, no. Oh, Oh, that file is corrupted. I don't think we can ever recreate that greatness again. Got to go. Exactly. Well, because obviously, yeah, it's like if somebody has an idea and you know it's not a great idea, if someone doesn't have the same background as you or is on the same page as you, you can kind of look like a jerk if you're just like, that's a terrible idea, you know? But if you can show it to them and go, this is why this is a terrible idea, it's a little bit more approachable for people or like they understand a little bit more of what you're saying because they're seeing it in front of their eyes. Right. And you validated that at least that they're, that you, that you think of them as a, you're validating their opinion, not, or the fact they have an opinion. That's the key part there in the whole, whole dynamic, right? For sure. You know, and I think especially in the brewery industry, you know, at least in my situation and a lot of other artists I've talked to is if you've got anyone else in your design team, you're better off than a lot of us are, you know what I mean? And even if you do, it's a small team. So a lot of us are in vacuums, um, so you need to bounce off people, you know, cause if you're just creating artwork in your own little corner and not communicating with anybody else, like you're not going to grow at all as an artist, you know, making, making art that way. So you have to, you have to respect your coworkers and their opinions about what you're creating and you're all working towards for the same brand. You know what I mean? So they should also have a voice in how they're being represented on the shelf. Yeah. I think that's a unspoken piece of it right you're you're the end result of all the extra behind the scenes stuff you're you're the one who kind of takes it out and shows everybody all the hard work that everybody put into it and so it's it's a lot of people kind of represented in your designs so that's a lot of it's a lot of pressure it is yeah i mean it's it's you know my work is the first thing that the customer sees um yeah and i don't want all the guys from from our maintenance guys that work their asses off building this brewery for the last year, more than a year, you know, keep all the machines running to the brew guys who are actually, you know, making the beer, babysitting the beer to the guys working on the transfer line, on the bottling line, sitting there hand packing bombers, hand, you know, bottle by bottle to our shipping guys, to our salespeople. I mean, it's a lot of people working their asses off to get those, beers out on the shelf yeah and the last thing i want to do is have all that work go and then it's like oh this is super ugly (laughs) or like this is a really lame can you know so yeah i feel yeah like i said we we, you know obviously we've uh we've yet to meet in 3d but i think that your level of what you know you're you have a high you set the level the bar pretty high for yourself so it's kind of that's pretty apparent to me so i think that once you've yeah i feel you've yeah, once you made those early decisions and you kind of were like, all right, I got this, you know, and you're like, I think that you, everyone has their, their faith in you and I think that they know that you're not going to put out a half-assed product. So 
everything you've everything you have. No, it would probably benefit my stress level if I put more half-ass stuff out. (laughs) Well, right, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe you can do your, um, you know, your Halloween theme in like February, so you can save yourself a couple extra days or something like that. But you know, yeah, I got to start half-assing something. And it should just be that. <laughs> the Halloween illustrations can be half-assed. Or just maybe just draw them. Just try to maybe just, you know. That, that might be what happens moving forward. <laughs> right. Like, this last year was a test. It was it was a bit much. Yeah, cause you, yeah, exactly. You hadn't been in your job a full, well, just about a year. And you're like, I'm going to keep this up. Like, hey, drawing is still hard. So, yeah, I definitely I definitely see. We'll, we'll see what the uh, 31 days is of next year. We'll see where, where you go with that. Yeah. Yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. All right, so uh, just a couple more easy ones, then we're gonna be off. But being, you know, like I said, working for you know the great brewery that you do, Top Lane. What are your, some of your favorite beers, you know, in in house or you know outside that you're that you're enjoying? Um. Well, of course, I mostly do drink TG beer. Uh, a big part of that is I get free beer with my job. So it's kind of, you know, I kind of forget. I always joke that I know less about craft brewing trends now that I work for a brewery. (laughs) Like as far as the beer goes, because I'm just like so consumed by the beer that we're making. Um, Our Fire Skulls and Money IPA is super, super good. Um, It's just a really delicious, hoppy, amazing beer. Um, We've only brewed that a handful of times so far but we're kind of pushing to try to make that another flagship of ours so pushing that out into cans in the next year which is pretty exciting um as far as our barrel age stuff goes you know i've been lucky enough to get to try morning delight assassin kbbs but honestly i think naughty temple is my favorite um barrel age beer that we make so it's our naughty 90 oaked ale that is then aged in um, Templeton rye whiskey barrels and it is amazing it's so good it's so boozy it's like 14 percent um it's you know some of the other ones have a really oh okay some of our other ones have a really strong like whiskey smell this one has a strong whiskey flavor and I love whiskey um but it's also carbonated, so it's lighter. It's not thick and syrupy like some of our other barrel-aged stouts are. I just think it's an amazing combination of flavors. It's just caramely, but light and carbonated. Oh, my God. It's super good. And I drink it too fast sometimes. <laughs> you know, then, you, then, you're, then your evening's over. But it's, it's great stuff. Um, and so that one... You know, it doesn't have the same flack as the other ones do. You know, I don't think it's it hasn't uh, caught on or doesn't have the fellowship that the other ones do, mostly just because I think the releases are smaller. They're not, you know, this one we did was just first come, first serve. There was no lottery for it. Um, and I'm just kind of waiting until everyone else figures it out. And until then, I'm just hoarding it myself because <laughs> it's, it's delicious stuff. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I mean, you have the, the. If you go to the website, you know, tgbrews.com, you have the beers. The, the limited section is pretty, pretty epic in of itself. So I was just, yeah, it must be. Uh, do you guys have like an on staff like 
Uber driver to get you guys home. I mean, for the guys you have taken, those beers are pretty, there's pretty, uh, got a lot of bite to them. Yeah, those beers are limited ones are super strong. Those, even for us staff, like they're limited. You know, when they come out, we have an allotment we're given. We then have a chance to buy more of them. Um, and when they're gone, they're gone. Uh, so a lot of us just kind of take them home and hoard them for special events. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of taking them as wedding gifts or, you know, my father turned 60 this year and I brought a bottle of morning delight to share with the family. You know, people get so excited when you bring them to, you know, special events and they get a chance to try a beer that they know they would never be able to try otherwise. Um, yeah. How's your brother-in-law? How's your brother-in-law? Is he, is he, is he, is he knocking on the door for, for his special beers? Well, every time I go home to visit, I bring him a 12-pack of Bombers, so he gets a pretty solid supply, um, you know. But now he's gotten, it's funny, it's like even a year in, he's all like, oh, I'd prefer a little bit of this. I don't need any of those. You know, whereas when I started, he'll t- he would take, like, anything, so, yeah. you know. He created a monster. Now. Yeah, exactly. You should show it without a 12-pack <laughs> next time just to keep him in check. That's right. you be like, you get nothing this time. Nah. No, I always credit him with being half the reason I got this job because he flipped out so much that it made me really focus and try extra, extra hard to get the job because, you know, if I hadn't realized what big of a deal it was about him, I don't know that I would have been as geeked out about it when I got here for the interview. So he he earned his beer. Yeah. I mean, if I go to an interview and I'm geeked out and excited about it, I'd probably totally butcher the interview so props to you for keeping your shit together not 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 <laughs> so we're not playing poker together anytime soon because you would i definitely would have been like yes i love it here yeah all right More well, the- you know, yeah it's truth in advertising i went i was a i was a weirdo they liked it it worked out there you go there's your there's your pitch the elevator pitch one four done <laughs> Now, lastly, this is probably the easiest question I'm going to ask you. So, um, like I said before, I used to do some, you know, radio, and uh, just when you're when you're creating, do you have music that you're listening to? Is there, you know, what's the what's the vibe when when you know Sarah's got her creation on? Like, what do you what do you listen? Are you listening to certain bands? Is there are you like peace and quiet? What, what's going on? Oh, there is no such thing as peace and quiet at the brewery. Um, yeah, as I said, that, I was like, <laughs> there eh. is no quiet. There is no quiet space. Um, yeah, I definitely listen to a lot of music when I am making artwork. It kind of depends on the piece, though. So, um, like, I don't know. So it just depends on the piece, yeah. If if the vibe of it is really kind of intense, like Fire Skulls and Money is like three skulls and a pile of coins that are on fire, and it's like super crazy. Like, I listened to like 80s punk music the entire time I was making that, um, you know, I just redesigned our Intergalactic Warrior label, which is used to be a guy who kind of looked, I don't know, he had a little bit of a Power Ranger vibe to him. And so I was rebranding him. And then I decided to, like, you know, make it a woman because I was all like, whatever, man, girl power, Wonder Woman, what's up? So, you know, the whole time of that, I was, you know, I was making that, I was listening to, like, you know, Janice Joplin and Kick-Ass Ladies, just fucking nerding out about it. So I kind of customize the music to the vibe that I'm trying to visually communicate, I guess, if that makes any sense. 
because I'm not going to draw a skull while listening to Cat Power. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. a bummer. That's not going to help me. What about Pseudo so. Sue? What do you, what's what's your like? I mean, I could make the Dinosaur Junior joke, but what, what are you gonna? What are you listening to when you? <laughs> well, I do love Giant Dinosaur Junior for sure. Um, I don't know. I can't remember what I was listening to. Jurassic Jurassic Park soundtrack, more. maybe. Yeah, who knows? All right. Oh, you know, I have listened to that at work. <laughs> I don't know that I was doing that specific thing. I was probably listening to like Otis Redding. That's my like go-to, you know, standby standard music. So probably a pretty good bet. All right, we got a we got a good mix. Well, we yeah, because we asked that question, and when you listen, yeah, we we lay the. We break it into three seg oh two segments and we talk we intro, middle and outro and we try to put your favorite music and you know, customize the, the episode to your favorite music. So Nice, very cool. Very good. Custom touch, you know, for the people. The, <laughs> keep, nice. Yeah, very nice. Yes. As Gamish. <laughs> Excellent. So okay. Well I think that um I I've got tons of in, info here and I'm I'm excited. I really appreciate you making the time. I, I learned a lot, I'm really excited. Pardon me, sad because I can't get a lot of these beers, but I definitely uh, will start trading for for some more of the the Sues, and I think those are that'll make. Yeah, it. you gotta you gotta come out to Decorah, Iowa, man. You gotta come see this new brewery we're building. Yeah, no, yeah, I definitely I, I would love that. I, yeah, I, that's one of the things I think that from a my hope is to during this process just to to meet like a like a camera guy, and I've I've got plenty of uh, invitations to have beers and three Ds of folks, so I would just love the idea of you know. Renting like a convertible, you're driving cross country for a week or two, and just like stopping in all the breweries and meeting everybody, like having that, actually having the beer in 3D and just kind of like you know checking it all out. So I definitely would love to love to take you up on that. Hell yeah, man, that'd be awesome. You know, we definitely had some people come out and do those video podcasts and stuff and interviews, and you know we're always happy to have people come by and do stuff like that. You know, it's super fun for us to meet people like you and hear what people are doing and show people around and enjoy some good beer and you know for me at least as a artist it's super cool when people are interested in talking to the artist behind the packaging because there's such a huge influx of craft beer right now and there's some really awesome artwork being made so i'm glad that there's people out there like you talking to well thank you art nerds and getting it documented yeah i think it's important and like i said we really didn't talk much about you know uh I've tried to homebrew before and it was a train wreck, but like, you know, hops and barley, all this stuff is great. And it's already, you know, we already know what's inside the can. And I think that just where we are nowadays, especially with, you know, the boom of cans, you know, the accessibility of, you know, new printing styles and where things are. I just think, I think, just think, I think what you're doing is like super important. And obviously, I mean, we're not, you and I aren't curing cancer, right? But like, I think it's just super, I think it's just super <laughs> important for, branding and you know marketing and the craft beer thing is just it's not going to get it's not slowing down anytime soon we're you know we've already peaked at the wow. year over year it's you know and so and the cool part to me is right your topling already has you know two of the top beers in the world right and you, you could argue maybe you know three or four and they decided to you know take it to the next level and you know and, and bring you on and you know rebrand and go bigger and go better and so like that's a conscious choice that they're making and it's, it's great i think it's i think it's really awesome and so why shouldn't you focus you know people know all the different brewers and they know the different hops and stuff why why shouldn't people be 
learn about the artists who really kind of turn their heads or, you know, bring it to, bring it to life. So I think it's really important. Yeah. Couldn't agree with you more, man. Like I said, appreciate the, uh, the spotlight on all the artists. It's pretty cool to see it happen. Well, well, I, I thank you. And I think that, uh, yeah. And hopefully, uh, yeah, dive into the archives and check out some of the cool stuff or on, uh, you know, iTunes, wherever you, wherever you podcast. And, you know, we definitely are trying to, get you know, meet as many folks as we can and uh from in the united states and around the world so we'll see where we'll see where it goes we got some big ideas and uh i'll tell you about them offline and we'd love to you know, have you in the mix once it comes to fruition all right man sounds great all right we have a good night and uh thanks so much there it was it was definitely a pleasure and i really uh look forward to uh connecting in the future yeah thanks for uh including me in your in your program no brainer easy that was one of the easier things i've done <laughs> so thank you yeah, bye. bye. And there we have it, folks. Another edition of the 16 ounce canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. I want to thank Sarah for taking the time to join us. Really enjoyed learning about her story, the hard work that went in, into kind of becoming the marketing director, and just kind of the perspective. I really applaud what they're doing at Toppling, the willingness to allow her to rebrand allow is a shitty way to say it but I mean that, that is her job but just kind of the, the faith that they put into her really you can see that in the new work the new cans are really they really pop they're really clean and it's really exciting and anytime you can work with a dinosaur I mean that's just kind of a no-brainer pseudo Sue and the, the whole T-Rex family is just kind of great to see that and like I said Recording this in Chicago, I stopped in uh, you know, a few extra beer shops to see kind of the work in action, and it was really just great to see the the new offerings, you know, the the Galaxy Dry Hop Sioux and a few others that were just really kind of literally popping off the shelves. So it was really exciting to see that. It was a really great opportunity to talk with Sarah. Uh, you know, I definitely am going to take her up on the offer at some point to, to head my ass out to Iowa and uh, meet everybody there. So, uh, you know, Putting you all notice there, uh, Toppling Crew will be will be visiting in the future, and just really, I I really love everyone's story. I like the the hard work. I like the encouragement. I like the advice for somebody who's maybe up and coming. And if you look at it, really, you know, it's the sum of the parts that you know the other jobs and work that, that Sarah did uh, led her to this job, and she could not be more excited to be there. The work is, you know, speaks for itself, and it's really, uh, it's really an exciting opportunity. So, I th- hopefully, you uh, took that away from this episode. I think that if you're trying to do something, maybe you're in a, you know, a shitty, shitty job now, or, you know, getting yourself into or out of a, a situation, and you know, take each each job and try to make as much of it as you can, and who knows what what tomorrow will bring for you. But I want to thank you again for another, another episode. Uh, we're 37 in the books. 37 and we are having a great time so it's really been a great opportunity to meet some amazing people from around the country and we're going to continue to do that and meet some folks from around the world so this is the 16 ounce canvas the art of craft beer podcast my name is AJ Cairns I'm your host here each and every week bringing you a new flavor a little niche here in the uh, craft beer scene and just do us a favor you hold that bottle hold that bomber hold that can in your hand Give us just a little second more to realize all the hard work that went into that, all the, you know, love and extra, you know, hours that were put into making that label. Yeah, 
It's a lot. It's a lot of hours. It's a lot of time. And there's some great people behind that, and we're going to do our part each week to introduce you to those folks. Remember also that the breweries care. They don't need to. The, the key is what's inside the bottle. That's the, that's their you know, end game, but they really you know are taking the extra step with the branding, with the design, to make it a little more exciting for you. So it is a, it is a great opportunity. So hopefully you learn a little something new. Hopefully you have a new appreciation for toppling. And maybe you're uh, thinking of which of your children that you can trade for some of those uh, high, high-ranked high beers. So we do not approve of that, but we do understand. And if you are trading Spawn for KBBS, it's AJ at 16OunceCanvas.com. Give us an invitation. We'd love to try it. We'd love to join you. And, uh, yeah. So thank you once again. Until next week. This is the 16-Ounce Canvas. This has been Sarah Headland. Sarah with an H. Headland.com, Sarah.headland.design at Instagram, 16OunceCanvas.com, and 16OunceCanvas on all the social sites. So get in touch. I'm AJ. That hasn't changed. We'll be back next week, and we thank you so much for your time. Until until that point, have have a cold one. Enjoy it. Look at it right before you throw that beautiful piece of art in the trash, and you'll realize that all these great folks that went, went into it, and I think Sarah did a great job discussing all the different members of the team work their asses off too so until next week we thank you have a great one cheers